thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not trying to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. And I tell you what, the Word of God will not leave your life like it found it. Amen. Amen. It will always bless you and set your life on course. So we are so glad to have you with us today. And we invite you, bring your faith with you to this, to this broadcast. Release your faith in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Because the Word will always give you exactly what you need. And we've been reading and looking at some of the passages that reveal and teach us about the, the, the miracles of healing that happened under Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, if we will do what they did, we'll get what they got. And we can learn how to receive healing and also how to minister healing when we're acquainted with these passages. So we were looking at the one, the passage in John chapter five that talks about uh, the people that were around that pool of Bethesda. There was five porches full of sick people. Jesus walked into that setting and what a, what a thing for him to arrive in that setting, right? And he walks up to one man who had been for 38 years on a bed. Can you imagine 38 years on a bed? And Jesus said to him, take up your bed and walk. What a day that was. So not everyone was glad to see the man carrying his bed because it was on the Sabbath day. And uh, religious people did not, the, the, the leaders did not like that he was carrying something of a load on the Sabbath day. And uh, so they rebuked him and he says, well, I don't know who did it. Look at this. He didn't even know who had ministered to him. He had never heard Jesus minister, but so rich was the compassion and mercy of God. So we find in John chapter five and verse 14, I want you to, we're focusing on one aspect of this, of this passage. And uh, it's something that happened after the man received his healing. Mm -hmm. In verse 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Isn't that good? Right there. But he doesn't stop there. Now he tells him how to keep his healing. He says, Sin no more, lest the worst thing come to you. Now, how many of you know the worst thing wouldn't be from God? God doesn't send something worse. But he's saying sin will give you something worse. So he's saying don't go back to a lifestyle of sin. And that's the wonderful thing. Once we get born again, sin can no more lord it over us. But because it can no longer lord it over us, we should not yield to a lifestyle of it. Listen, before we were born again, we had the wrong nature in us. But now that we're born again, we have the life of God, the nature of God. And that's not a sin nature. Your spirit doesn't want to sin. 
Yep. Right. I said, your spirit doesn't want to sin. But sometimes because due to, we have a tempter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes until people renew their minds, they yield to those temptations and they will sin. But even though if we sin, we don't have to get born again, again. We just deal with 1 John 1, 9 that yes. says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, he made us righteous at the new birth and sin wants to take from us that sense of righteousness. Mm -hmm. What is righteousness? Right with God. Right with God. That means we do right. We be right. We think right. We act right. Because we're right with God, we're empowered for that. Amen. Uh But uh, once, if we we step into sin, we step out of righteousness. But once we confess it, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So now we're righteous again. And every single person who is born again is made righteous because Jesus made them righteous. We're not righteous because we earned something. We're righteous because Jesus did everything right. Not because we did everything right, but he did everything right. And now he made us righteous. And so because we are righteous... That should affect the way we live. Our lifestyle is to be one of righteousness. And this is what Jesus was dealing with this man about. No more a lifestyle of sin, but now a lifestyle of righteousness. And we can do that because we're right with him. Listen, he was letting him know the way he was going to live his life was going to affect his health. you're, You're whole now, but go and sin no more lest the worst thing come on you. The way we live will affect the health of our body. Amen. If we're interested in healing, we also have to be interested in addressing the manner of our life. We should live under righteousness. Now in 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin, that's us, we're dead to sin. Look at this, should live unto righteousness. This word is telling us there is a lifestyle that we ought to be living. And we can because we are made righteous. Our our lifestyle should reflect that righteousness. So we should live under righteousness by whose stripes she were healed. So notice the lifestyle is sandwiched in between there, right in the middle that we're dead to sin and by his stripes we're healed. But right in there is, is tied and forever linked the lifestyle of righteousness. It matters how we live. I said it matters how we live. When I, I know this, when I, when I need to receive healing from God, um, I will say, is there anything else I need to address? Not just something in my body. Is there something inwardly? Is there something I've left undone? Is there something I'm doing I shouldn't do? I want to address anything because if I'm off righteousness, then I don't receive as I ought to. Uh Amen. We've been looking at a statement that Dad Hagen made that is so loaded and so insightful. He said, if you will get your spirit where it ought to be, then your body will start responding. That is so helpful. And you say, Pastor Nancy, what do you mean get your spirit where it ought to be? Well, are you doing everything that God's dealing with you about? Mm -hmm in your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. What's your conscience telling you? Not necessarily that you heard God speak words to you audibly. Do this, do that, change that. No, you just have a sense. I need to change this. I need to not do that. 
And God is always dealing with us about something because he loves us. Because he loves us. It's a flow of his love. Correction, direction, instruction. All of these are a flow of his love. He's always dealing with us about something because he's always bringing us into greater maturity spiritually. Amen. Every, Every phase and every season of our spiritual life calls for greater consecration. God has separated us, sanctified us. Now we need to be consecrated to that. Amen. What was appropriate for previous seasons may not always be appropriate for the present season. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He said, um, every new revelation calls for a fresh dedication. What's he saying? When I see, when I gain greater light of the word, that puts a demand on me to live that. Dad Hagen used to say it this way. It's dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. Because once you have light, God expects us to walk in, in, and conduct our life in line with that light. With what we see of his word that he's, he's asking of us. And listen, don't just equal others. Yes. in your lifestyle. Yes. God's going to lead you inwardly on how to conduct your life mm-hmm. based on the word. Uh-huh. You'll see it in the word, but also the dealings of God mm-hmm. in your spirit are telling you what God is, is calling and requiring of you right. and of me right now in this, uh-huh. in this season of our life. Yeah. Don't look and say, well, others get to do this or others get to do that because uh, you're not called to what others are called That's to. Right. Right. God's preparing you for what you're called to. That's right. Amen. I remember uh, when I married my husband and over the years, we were married almost 30 years and the different times God dealt with me and I go, it just seems like God deals with me in a more firm manner than he's dealing with others in. And I don't know how that's happening (laughs) because I would say God, they're, they're doing things I couldn't get by with. Not necessarily life of sin. I'm not talking about someone sinful, but they're able to conduct something in their life that God won't Permit of me. And Dr. Summerall made this statement. Dr. Lester Summerall said, others may, but I may not. What's this mean? Live with how God's dealing with you. What's he calling for of you? And uh, when you you live in line with how he's dealing with you, Mm -hmm. then your conscience is clear and your faith will work. When your conscience isn't clear, your faith doesn't work right. Have you noticed that? When you're violating what he's dealing with you about, you're not bold. (laughs) You can't be bold because disobedience can't be bold. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Amen. So before something changes outwardly in the body, Uh if something's needed healing-wise, sometimes something has to change inwardly. Sometimes, not every time, but sometimes. You know, uh, the word says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So sometimes our thinking has to change so that we can receive what God has for us. Well, isn't that an inward change? Sure Sure it is. Um, I'll I'll tell off on me. I always tell off on me because I can't tell off on you. But I'm well acquainted with me, so I'll tell off on me. Um, When we started this church that we have now in Murrieta, California, it's in Southern California. Uh, it was back in 1991 we started it. 
My husband had had a church previously years before that he had pastored in another part of California. He then later moved to Tulsa. That's where we met and got married. And then God said to us, I want you to go back to California and get in position for this last day revival. So we moved back out here. And I knew this about my husband is that everywhere he went, churches started. <laughs> I mean, he always started a church. And so we moved out here and Ed said, God's dealing with me about starting a church. And we had up to that time, since we've been married, we've been primarily traveling. Ed had a traveling ministry and I would travel with him and I enjoyed traveling. I like the change that happens when you travel. And so Ed said to me, we're going to start a church. God's dealt with me about that. And I said, well, you need to get you a pastor in here. Because I knew that he would still be traveling, you know. And I knew that somebody had to be present. And so along the way, as we started the church, he said to me, he said, you're the pastor. I said, oh, no, I'm not the pastor. No, God hadn't told me I'm the pastor. No, God hadn't told me I'm the pastor. Of course, I wasn't asking him. <laughs> but I agreed that I wasn't the pastor. I don't know who I was agreeing with myself. I was agreeing with myself, I guess. And so because there was no, it, of course, traveled. He started the church and then took off. He, he went to traveling. So I knew this. I've got to stay and cover the home base. So I was pastoring. I mean, I was, you know, ministering in the Sunday services. And I was, I was fine to do it, not a problem. But in my head, I'm not the pastor. In my heart, I'm not the pastor. And so um, I would lead the praise and worship, play the keyboard, led the praise and worship, got up, received the offering, did the announcements, preached the service, uh, went to the back door, greeted the people as they left. I did the work of a pastor saying, I'm not the pastor. I did that for four years, every service, every service. And I was saying all the while, Ed, you need to get a pastor in here. And he would say to me, you're, you're the pastor. I said, I'm not the pastor. You need to get you a pastor in here. After four years, we're, in a, we're having a convention and a minister gets up to preach. I didn't hear a word he said because I got caught up in the spirit. And Jesus asked me this question. I should have seen it coming. I should have seen it coming. He said to me, do you love me? Now, see, he asked that somewhere in the Bible. Where was it? Remember where it was with Peter? He asked him, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. And I, I should have caught on. I should have caught on. And he said to me, do you love me? And I said, you know I love you. Then he said, then feed my sheep, Pastor. And I was stunned. I was the most shocked. You want to know why? Because I hadn't asked. <laughs> why? Sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to know. But see, I had already assumed that he wasn't calling me to pastor. So I was helping him. I thought. So here, four years after doing the work of a pastor out here, but not inwardly agreeing that I was a pastor. Uh -huh. My spirit's out of order. Right. Uh -huh. See what Dad Hagen said, when your spirit gets where it ought to be. Uh -huh. yeah. See, my spirit wasn't where it ought to have been those four years because inwardly I was not agreeing yeah. right. with God. So see, there's different ways our spirit can be out of order uh -huh. or not where it ought to be. Yeah. 
There's different ways. It's not necessarily sin. Right. It's sometimes just overlooking something, sometimes yeah. being negligent towards something, yeah. sometimes de just deciding something differently yeah. than what God said. Yeah. Um, so when Jesus spoke to me that morning in that service and said, do you love me? And I said, you know I love you. Then he said, then feed my sheep, pastor. I was just so stunned. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm the pastor. And then he said this, next Sunday you get up and announce to the congregation that you're the pastor. And I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to be so shocked. <laughs> they're going to be so surprised. So I get up the next Sunday and I said, I have an announcement to make. And I told them what I just told you. And I said, and God told me I'm the pastor. And they just kind of looked at me like, when are you going to make an announcement? Because I thought that was a huge announcement, but they already knew it. I was the only one in the room who didn't know that I was the pastor. Everybody else saw that anointing and saw that. Uh, that gifting, but I was the only one who didn't know why, because inwardly I had not agreed. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Then when I agreed, then things started changing. Yes. Things started yes. opening yes. up. Yes. Why? Because once spiritual things get in order, outward things start falling in line. Yes. And too many times we're trying to put outward things in place with spiritual things out of place. Wow. wow. That's so good. Yeah. Oh my. Does that make sense? Yes. Remember, there's a, the occasion um, in, in the Old Testament where God sent the prophet of God, Elijah, to King Hezekiah and said, go set your house in order because you're surely going to die. He was ill. And the prophet came. God said, set your house in order for thou shalt surely die. God was not sentencing the king to death. He was saying this, the direction you're going is the direction of death. You keep going this way, it's going to end up in certain death. So the prophet gives him that word from God. Set your house in order. Thou shalt surely die. The prophet leaves the room. The king did not get up and set his natural house in order. He rolled over to the wall faced the wall and set a spiritual house in order inwardly. And he corrected some things that were out of order inside. And when he did, he didn't have to believe for healing. He didn't have to pray. When he set his inward house in order, the word of the Lord came to him before the prophet even left the king's grounds, before he even left his property another word from the Lord came to Elijah and said, go back and tell the king I'm giving him 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Now see, once his spiritual life got in order, the outward lined up. Amen. So he came back in. Now, Elijah could have thought, my goodness, I was just sitting there telling him he's going to die and I'm not even off his property and the word has changed. How come the word changed? Because the king changed. Yeah. God didn't change. The king changed. When we change something that needs to be changed, we get into the flow we've been wanting all along. Oh, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. It matters. And, and I'm not sometimes, like I said, sometimes it's not even sin. I wasn't living a lifestyle of sin when I wasn't agreeing. It was just I was off of God's plan. 
uh, when I wasn't agreeing to be a pastor. Uh But you see, sometimes we just need to adjust a way of thinking. Sometimes we just need to adjust something inwardly that helps us to receive the help we need outwardly. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Classic Translation. Hebrews 12 verse 25. It says this, So see to it that you do not reject him, Look, listen to this, or refuse to listen to and heed him who is speaking to you now. See, God's always speaking something to us. Why? Because he's always got more for us. For if they, the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed him who warned and divinely instructed them here on earth, revealing with heavenly warnings God's will, how much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven. So God's always dealing with us about something. To listen is to our benefit. To not listen is to our detriment. Amen. Um, It's dangerous to override what your spirit is saying to you. It's dangerous to ignore it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to help us. Mm -hmm. To avoid that help is to avoid what we're going to need. Now, if if there were somebody alongside the road and they're flagging down oncoming traffic, they're saying, and they flag them down, they say there's a bridge up ahead that's out. If you're going to bypass someone flagging you down... Mm -hmm and going to go straight ahead, you're going to end up in a position you don't want to be in. Why? Not just because the bridge was out, but because you wouldn't observe and listen to someone who was trying to help you. Any correction, any redirection, any dealing of God is our help. Amen. God loves us, uh, but he won't bypass his word and set it aside for us. Amen. Amen. And uh, he couldn't, he could not, when the Hebrews disobeyed God, he couldn't bring them into the best. Mm -hmm. He could bring them in if they listened. So if we want to have his best, we listen. listen. It pays to listen. Amen. Now, I I, I caution against this because this is where so many Christians live. They're sin conscious. They are so aware of their faults, their failures, their weaknesses. Um, Listen, all of us have them. All of us have them. Uh, We're not blessed because we're perfect. We're blessed because who we belong to. And because we belong to him and he's blessed us, we can live the life he's authored for us. But I remember, listen, there was, there is a time that I, several years ago, I went to God and I said, God, I said, I am so sorry I keep missing it in a certain place. You know, when God's dealing with you about something, trying to bring you into further places in Him, and I kept missing it at a certain place, and I went to Him one day and I said, I I keep missing it here. I know I I do. I repent. I'm repenting again (laughs) for this same thing. I repent. And uh, Jesus spoke to me, and He said, You have failed many, many times, but I never have. 
So I share my success with you. <laughs> right there, baby. Heyday, right there. What is it? We, weren't, we aren't successful because of anything of us. Amen. It's all because of him. It's all because of what he did for us, took our place, paid the price, brought us into inheritance. It's not about anything we earn, but because he has done so much for us, it elevates the way we live. It elevates, it brings us up. It puts a demand on our life that we now live in the higher flow, a life of righteousness. Amen. A a life of of sanctification and consecration. Consecrated to him. What a joy to do that because of what he did for us. It brings everything up. And we need to say, I'm going to live that higher flow. Amen. Do not go through your life and begin to mentally evaluate what you're not. Because condemnation, the devil works through condemnation, not God. The thing about condemnation, it's always pointing to your faults in the flesh. The devil will always try to get you to look at your flesh, the natural side and the faults. He'll never point you to your spirit because in your spirit is the life of God. In your spirit is the victory. Everything that belongs to you in Christ is deposited in your spirit. So the devil's always trying to get you your attention away from who you are in Christ to who you are in the flesh and points to faults, failures, weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying that we should leave them unaddressed, but I'm saying we don't succeed because of our flesh. We succeed because who we are in Christ. So we focus on that and that begins to, that begins to dictate what we do in the flesh, dominate and direct what we do in the natural. Amen. Don't go to the mind and try to do a mental checklist of, because sometimes when people are facing needs, maybe physical needs, financial needs, they'll turn in on themselves and say, well, I, I, I'm, I, I failed here and I failed here and I failed here. And they give themselves, if I could say this, a reason to accept a measure of defeat. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes. And we have to not go to that mental yeah. arena. Yeah. If we need to correct something, adjust something, all we have to do is look to look within. The Holy Ghost will direct us Amen. in that. Amen. It's not by mental evaluation because I guarantee you, you'll get into a flow of condemnation in that mental arena. But you turn to your spirit. Listen, the spirit is there to help you. He won't push you down. He won't accuse you. He'll give you any help that you need and that you'll receive from him. Amen. And, and uh, therefore, what he tells us is accurate. It won't be trial and error. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. If he says, this is what God's been dealing with you about, just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it'll be accurate. It'll get results. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's so much to be said. So much that needs to be said that could be said about these things. But thank God for the help of the Holy Ghost and who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been teaching in line with my book called The Healer Divine, and we want you to get your own copy. You can do that by going to our website at DufresneMinistries.org and let us know that you want that copy and we'll get it right out to you. We hope you join us next time because there's so much more coming. And uh, until next time, we want you to remember this. Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org.
In this classic book by Nancy Dufresne, we are presented with a study of the healings of Jesus. Your own faith will be stirred to believe and act as the healed God has made you to be. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.